take up our Bibles and turn again to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, wanting to finish up this last section of Matthew 10 before we move to uh, other books and certainly fully into our study of the Advent season of Christ and all of the wonder that he brings at Christmas through various narratives of the Scripture We want to get still at this mission first, even as we look to to head into a new year, reminded again of our mission in Christ together, that mission for sheep and grain that he has called not only the apostles to, but also each of us as disciples to. And so tonight we're brought to the challenge of that mission. And so we read that in Matthew 10, verses 16 through 23. And so let's hear these words together, paying a special attention to them because they are the true, inerrant, infallible word of our Almighty God. Where Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and ser- serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we come before this task that you call us to, this great mission, Father, for your people, to gather all of your sheep to yourself, to gather all of your grain into the storehouse. Father, we are thankful as we look around us at all of that grain and abundance. So much corn, Lord, by way of your blessing. Father, the ways in which you care. Lord, you are gathering a harvest to yourself even greater than that. Lord, you are gathering your sheep from all over the world into that one flock to be ruled by one shepherd. And Father, we're thankful for this and for the joy and wonder of that task. And yet, as we've prayed, Father, we fear the, we fear man and we fear that task and what we will do and how we will do it and and what if we fall short and the losses that will endure and the struggles and the sacrifices and the hurts. And Father, that challenge that you lay before us is great, but our Christ is greater. And so we pray, Father, bring us not only before him tonight in in the joy of the faith that he has given, but Father, restore us again to a joy in salvation, a joy in our task on that mission. Father, to meet that challenge in the blessing of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, children of God called to be saints, some say that everyone loves a good challenge. And maybe for you, that certainly is something that is true. That for many, we like the challenge that come along with new responsibilities, a new calling of learning something new. 
Kids, maybe you get a, a new game or, or you put together a, a new puzzle and there's a challenge of it. It's more pieces or it's more intricate or, or the Lego set that you're building, way more pieces, right? And so this is going to be a challenge. It's going to take time and, and energy and effort and we see the worth in it and the value in it and so we meet it. We love then trying to find a way to finish. We love trying to find that way to win, to have success. And when, we're, when we've overcome those challenges, then there will be another one and another one. And so we'll go in the successes that we've had to, to meet that challenge too. But really, I think if we scratch deep enough, there's a part of us that really doesn't like a challenge at all. We would rather things to be easy. We would rather them to be comfortable. We would rather quick results and successful results with very little effort, very little skin in the game or sacrifice required, effort rendered, hurt given. And if the challenge is too costly, too difficult, too much, oftentimes we just set it aside. And so I want you to take just a moment now to consider your own life and your experiences in it. Think about a time where you were met with a challenge that you didn't take up or one that you set aside. You found it was just too hard, just too difficult, just too much. Why did you do that? Why did you give up? Why didn't you meet the challenge? Why did you think that was greater than any of the help or the care that you would receive either in earthly terms by those who are around you or if these are spiritual struggles from the Christ who calls you to them? Why did you stop working, stop pursuing, stop giving yourself to what is good and right and true and already you're like, don't make me think about that. We don't want to think about those moments. We don't want to think about that hurt or or that struggle or that conflict. But I tell you, Christian, that it's crucial that we do so tonight. Given an understanding of the mission that Christ places before us to save sinners. Because it is a challenge. That work is a challenge. And that isn't to say that Christ, even in these words in in chapter 9 and chapter 10, haven't driven towards this because there's been a great bit of celebration. There's a great bit of joy and, and motivation. We're motivated first by the compassion of Christ. If your Bibles are open, look back to Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38. Already there's a sense of we know why a mission has to take place And it's because of Christ's compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers laborers into his harvest. I have sheep and I have grain that are mine that need to be gathered to me. And for no other reason than they're mine, and I love them, and I want them, and I will have them. And I call you to participate in that mission. 
And it's then that we're brought before the call of Christ. Those called as his apostles then, but now by his extension, are disciples, as disciples now, to submit to his authority. To submit to that call. Here is your task. Here is your mission. Go speak and heal so that the name of Christ and his gospel would be known and believed. And we're like, yeah, we can get on board with that. Here is Christ and the compassion he's shown to us. Here's his call on our life to go to go and be part of that mission. And he ramps up the intensity and the charge. Look back at verse 7 of chapter 10 and proclaim as you go, as you keep heading out, as you keep on this mission, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so there's a ramping up. That intensity of that charge is there because the time is short. And the judgment of Christ is sure to be and it is soon coming. He will return. And in that, we are overwhelmed with praise and with thanks and with humility and awe, all of that right response. And we leave here, Yahoo, yes, let's go get it. Let's go do that which Christ has called us to. And then there's that hard thing. Then there's the challenge. Because as awesome as that call is, and as great as that compassion is, as stirred up, as excited as we are to be on mission together, to do what we're called to, we are met with resistance and hatred and the hardship of having to try to walk along sinners, amongst other sinners, a long road of obedience in the same direction. And then we stop, and we count the cost, and we consider that challenge, we consider that call, and even that's a challenge. Is it worth it? Am I going to be able to do it? Is there going to be blessing? Is there going to be success? Is there going to be numbers? Are there going to be all these converts? Am I going to gather? But now they don't want to hear it. And I'm persecuted for it. And they hate me and they hate my family. And not only that, but I'm hated by members of my family. You see, it's interesting, isn't it, that Christ isn't promoting some kind of pamphlet for Christianity without an understanding of the cost. That he doesn't shy away from sharing what that challenge is going to be with us. But I ask you, Christian, will you be faithful to rise to it? In the knowledge of the lead up. In the knowledge that his compassions never fail. That his mercies are new every morning. That his call hasn't changed, but in fact it intensifies with every moment knowing that the return of Christ is imminent knowing that his charge upon us as a people who claim his name is just as real and just as powerful. You see, we need to hear clearly that challenge again. Even if we're enduring it right now or not, the challenge of his mission for the sheep, for the harvest of grain, in the knowledge of what? If this is what he has had compassion for, he has called us to, he has charged us to, He will be faithful to sustain us in it and meet us in it. 
but will we be found faithful to his call? So tonight we see in these words that the apostles are given a clear presentation of the challenge of his mission for sheep and grain. And that presentation is for us then as well. And it's a threefold challenge as we see in these verses. It is a vocational challenge in verses 16 to 20. It is a relational challenge in verses 21 and 22. And then it's a locational challenge in verse 23. But it starts with a vocation. What have you been called to? What are you called to on that mission? Because the very work that you are called to is the challenge. Even doing the work. I mean, we're not even talking about people yet. Just the mission becomes the challenge. And it's at first, if you're taking notes, it's a challenge to behold. Look with me again at verse 16. Behold. Children, when we read that word, we can hear look. Sometimes even in my Bible when I was younger, I would make little glasses and I would put it there. Here is something that we have to stop and think about. Look at the situation. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is not something that you would go on some job website and say, "Mm, that sounds awesome, I want to do that. But it's what you're called to. It's what you're sent to. And yet in the midst of that challenge, which is clear, sheep in the midst of wolves, not sheep among wolves, sheep sometimes interacting with wolves, knowing the sides. No, no, no. You're in. You're embedded. You're there smack in the middle, ready to be destroyed by ravenous wolves. You, the defenseless, helpless, not always bright, a little bit dense sheep, there. That's the task. And in all estimation of it, and in all earthly wisdom, we look at that and say, that's an L. That's a loss. That's sure to be. And that's where he sends. And that's the point. We focus our eyes so much on the challenge That's never going to work. Those people are never going to hear. Those neighbors are never going to come to Christ. My family is never going to turn and be saved. He's not telling you to behold the situation. He's telling you to look at the fact that I am sending you. He gives his promise. I am sending you, and if he is sending you, then he is with you, and if he is with you, then he is for you. I am sending you. Yes, you're helpless. Yes, you're unable in yourself to do any of these things. But I send, so I will equip, and I will bless in my way. It's not about you. It is about the one who sends you. Hold to the promise. It's a challenge in our work. I want to do this. This is mine. Look at the people I've told. Look at the people I've gathered in. Look at the people that I've brought to. It's not about you. It's always about the one who who has sent you. So that's the challenge to behold, but it's also a challenge to balance. So in that beholding, I am sending you. I give you this task. I give you the ability to do that which I've called you to and will give you the success and the good works that I've prepared for you to walk in. 
So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And we read this and say, well, every other time, pastor, serpents are not the thing to be looking at. So what's the wisdom of a serpent? Well, kids, if you chase chase snakes, and I don't do this. I hate snakes. Snakes are the most gross thing ever, okay? But a serpent, when it recognizes danger, gets out of there. You're never looking at a serpent and saying it doesn't know when to flee. That's the point. There are going to come times in that mission that we're given in beholding what's there where there is such a resistance that we have to get out. It's an understanding of balance. And that's where the and is here. So be wise as serpents, but also innocent as doves. Because doves are a bird that you can get really, really close to before they eventually take off. And so there's going to be struggle and challenge that comes. And the balance that we have to find on this mission in Christ and coming before him and humbling ourselves is what, at times, we want to duck out too soon. That isn't the point. But there also is a point where, you know what? For the sake of the gospel, we got to go. And you're like, well, how do we know? How do we figure that out? Well, if it's a wisdom problem, what is the promise of James 1.5? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he gives generous to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So ask. Father, I, I continue running into this struggle, into this challenge. Is this where I need to be? Do I need to endure, or do I need to flee? And in that innocence, reminder that, hey, you know what? I just don't want to deal with that, and I want to get out of here. The dove will wait. So are we willing to wait and make peace? Knowing that we needed others to wait on us, even in our struggles and in our sin. Paul writes in Colossians 1, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and which I, Paul, became a minister. So there's a hope in the gospel that says, I can endure this, but let me be wise about it. Let me know when I need to pick up and leave, and when I need to work through it. And we're not always going to get that right, but there's grace for that. And so we need to behold. It's a challenge to balance. But there's also a challenge to beware. Verse 17, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And so this isn't from a vocational challenge, just something, hey, let's go and let's fire up the world. And and let's be offensive, not just in terms of the gospel, but let's be personally offensive. Let's be in people's face in such a way, maybe baptizing a term Christian jerk. Inciting people. Being offensive, being controversial for the sake of being controversial being a pundit, as it were, in Christianity rather than a servant. And so we have to be careful. We have to beware. Because working among sinners is dangerous and costly, outside and inside. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be hardship. Sacrifices will be made. Pain will be endured. 
And yet notice in this verse where the danger is. It's amongst their family. This is amongst the Jews. That's where the mission right now is focused. Go to my people. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. These are the ones. And so now here, pain will be endured among the Jews. And so the disciples, you need to know, if it's going to happen here, it's going to happen elsewhere. Will you be faithful to the vocation you've been called to? And yet, even in these words, Christ is making a promise. Because if they hated, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so if we're living this kind of life in which, again, we're being wary but also recognizing that there are losses and, and there's hardship that's going to come, our life is going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like him in the working of his word and Holy Spirit. Even amongst the Jews you have grown up with, as they in this word for deliver you over, is really stronger here. It's when they betray you. When they hear you for a time and then give up on you. And so you're going to have a life that resonates and looks like the life of Jesus. And so you have to beware, but you're also going to have to bear witness. And this might be the greatest of the challenges in terms of our fear. Look at verse 18, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And we're like, well, I'm already hung up still in verse 17, the whole deliver you over to courts and flog you thing. But now I'm going to go to prison? Now I'm going to be dragged before the world? But see, the challenge, again, is not first and foremost the bearing witness. He'll deal with that. But the challenge is to remember, why is this happening? Why has this come upon me? Why is this struggle real? It's for a purpose. It's for a Christ-directed and stated purpose. And it's in those moments that the challenge now is way beyond what thing is happening in our lives or what is happening to us. The challenge in that moment is, if, am I going to look to him and to his purpose or am I going to look at my circumstance? But you see, even here, there's a promise of what? You will be dragged before them for my sake. All of what you will endure is for my sake. It is for my name. It is for my and in my service. And by way of it, you're, you're not being separated from opportunity. You are given opportunity. Because here in that moment now is the prime opportunity for what? For witness, for evangelism, to give an answer for the hope that is in you, to proclaim good news before the whole world. For my sake. But will we take it up? Will I become so consumed with the struggle and the hard and the challenge and the people and the betrayal and the hurt that I won't remember my calling, my work, my service? 
because ultimately this still is, in the last way, here in this first point, a challenge to believe. To keep on believing. Look again at verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, or for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Because the challenge to believe is ultimately one of trust. Do I trust the Lord or not? Do I believe in the Lord and His promises or not? Will I hold fast to that, to an anchor strong and sure or not? And the challenge then is going to be known in anxiety. Do I trust or am I anxious? Because look at the ways, perhaps, even as you're reading through these things, that you start to feel a little bit of that yourself. We're anxious about the persecution, anxious about the people, the harm they will bring, the trials that will come. We're anxious about our witness in the moment and whether it will be right or good or true. Will we say the right thing? Will we say anything? The challenge is the fact that this is not a maybe, this is a when. It's going to happen. In the life of the Christian, this is going to happen in some way, shape, or form. And so if you trust that you will be used by a triune God and that His Spirit will speak through you, do we have any reason to be anxious? If I know whose kingdom I belong to and the Savior who is mine, in that moment do I have anything to lose? What, What can man do to me? He cannot take my life, and even if he takes my life, he cannot take my eternal life. He cannot touch my soul. But in that moment, I will be used. And he calls me not to have enough smarts for it, to have every bit of my formulation ready, to know exactly who I will talk to and how. He simply calls you to trust and follow and give yourself wholly and only to him and his mission. Because that's your vocation. That's your calling. And is it a challenge? You better believe it. It is a challenge every day and every moment of every day. And if that was all the challenge, that would be something perhaps that we would be tempted to try to say we can overcome in our own strength and our own way. But it's more than that because it's also a relational challenge. You see, Jesus doesn't take the foot off the gas, as it were, here in terms of laying out the realities of what is coming. And that's the hurt because now it's not just about outward circumstances or or talking about the Jews as a people or the Gentiles as a people. Now the challenge comes closer to home. Now the struggle for faithfulness becomes even more real. Because our relationships, even our very relationships, will bring additional challenge to that mission. Because in Christ, nothing is the same. We're not the same. And so in that way, our relationships are not the same. That in being given to His service and His mission, that is our singular focus. And so being brought into union with Christ and made right with the Father means I'm no longer friends with the world. I'm no longer friends with those I used to hang out with before salvation in Jesus. We're on different teams now. We're on different sides. 
No, as the world is in enmity with God, now you are at enmity with the world. And so in that sin now, and now in the salvation, there's a total upheaval of order. And the world remains okay with that, but we're not. And we've been delivered to something better. We've been made new. We have open eyes and new hearts and new minds. We have compassion and a desire to see others saved completely and transformed. And that's going to bring you into conflict with the world. They're not going to hear this and be like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's... They're going to hate you. They're going to despise you. They're going to doubt you. They're going to question you. They're going to resist you. Open the paper. You see that resistance. Let's redefine all the terms. Let's break every relationship. And so, of course, if this is sure to be, it's going to impact your life relationally. If we are given wholly to that mission, there's going to be challenge in relationships. Those relational challenge will impact first your spiritual relationships. Verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death. So now we're dealing with the fact that as we're dealing with brothers, there may be those who say, you know what? Here's a struggle. I don't agree anymore. Sharp disagreement but now of the worst kind. For someone will forsake their own faith in order to turn you over. There's going to be conflict even amongst family, brother and brother, those who have been raised up together and taught together and shown the same way together. Now we're at odds no differently than Cain and Abel. Second, those relational challenges will impact your familial relationships. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Now even being raised up in the same house isn't enough. And now we have an overthrow of order, the overthrow of honor, the overthrow of authority. Now it will all be broken and we have to minister vocationally into that and follow after that calling to be faithful even in the midst of a world that says enough of your spirituality and enough of your understanding of the family. And if that weren't enough, Jesus adds one word that lays the gravity of it there in verse 22. That those relational challenges will impact your societal relationships. How? Verse 22. And you will be hated by all. All. Every relationship that we are in there is either, either an understanding that we are brothers on the same mission or we're not. That this life that we live in Christ in that way is a constant conflict. It's a constant battle. It's why these words are used in the scriptures. They're not just helpful illustrations. This is the reality. Spiritually, family, society, there will be hatred by those who hate God and hate others. And again, you're like, this is not motivation to sign up for this, to live this and be this. But what is that phrase that's brought into the second point too? 
for my name's sake. You're found in me. If they're hating you for the right reasons, it's really because they hate Christ. And it's those relational challenges that must drive us back again and again to that one only relationship that matters. If we're struggling in doubts, if we're struggling to fulfill this mission, it's one relationship. And that in and of itself is the greatest challenge, which we would call persevering. It's just too hard. I've lost all my friends. My family won't talk to me. They've betrayed me. They hate me. They've written me off. They call me a bigot. They call me hateful. They'll have nothing to do with me. They won't see me. They won't let me see my grandkids. They've hurt me. They go out of their way to do that. I just want a happy Thanksgiving. I just want a nice Christmas. Perseverance is the challenge. Because what Christ calls us to is hard. The hatred of all men and the loss of all things. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Is the challenge worth it? Is that struggle worth it? Is that severing of relationship, is that hate that we endure, is that burden we carry, is it worth it for the sake of the name that I would bear all things, that I would be accounted the honor of bearing sorrow for the name? Is it worth it? I am led into the slaughter and into the potential sacrifice of every relationship that I currently know. Is it worth it? If you're asking that, you need to ask if Christ is worth it. Was his sacrifice worth it? Was his emptying himself of all but love worth it? Was his emptying himself, not considering all that was his, something to grasp? Was it worth it? Of course it was, because it was for you and for me and for all of his own. Of course it was. And if he was willing to endure that for me and for you, then how can we balk at these light and momentary afflictions? So the challenge forces us to remember who we are and what is ours in him. We are found in Christ, which means I am never alone and I am never forsaken. And his spirit dwells within me and I will be gathered with his saints. I am never left without the promise of a remnant, never without those around me who will love me and bear my burdens with me and fulfill the law of Christ. I will never be left without one who will encourage me to continue on in the challenge that we've been given together to persevere in the promise of God's love even as he preserves us and builds us up together as his people. So Christian, yes, it's worth it. And we can endure 
And we can strain and we can press and we can fight the good fight and we can seek to finish the race and we can lay hold of the prize, being willing to suffer loss even in all of these ways for the sake of the one who suffered the loss of all things. It's surely worth it to lose all we know, to lose all we know, so that we would not lose the peace and the place that we know. Is that true for you, Christian? Are you struggling with faithfulness in the midst of that because you want these things? Those relationships, that place, that status, that purpose that doesn't accord with his. It's worth it. And ultimately then in the last place, it's a locational challenge because his mission will be a challenge no matter our location. Because persecution and suffering is sure to be in his calling in charge. Oh, but I live in West Michigan. Really? <laughs> That's what you're going to say? You see, there's no time in which we get to escape that reality and there's no place we get to escape that either. And this can be a challenge for us, especially when we consider our rootedness in a place. And I'll challenge many of you who have even that in this area and place that the Lord has given to you. Because we can look and we are thankful for a long time, a heritage that we claim, of blessing and relative ease and safety in terms of living a life of faith in this community. And yet many of you older ones here, those of you who have been here, you recognize the shifts. You see the changes. You see the change in the culture. You see the changes in the people. But that may not be more about the change in other people as it is in us. Because in being comfortable in the space and place that we live, we just assume that this is how it is and this is how it will be. And, and all of these people already know Jesus and they're going to be found in churches. And so we just need to be here to accept those who come to us from other churches. That will be our success. That will be our blessing. Look at us. Look what we've built. Look at what we are. And a world continues to die around us without hearing the good news of the gospel of Christ. You see, it's no less a challenge to rise to the challenge that God gives to us in this space and place because we love this place. Maybe we love it too much. Maybe we love it more than heaven. And we think that's ridiculous, but it's somehow the ways that we talk about home. Do we realize again that this is our home address for a short time? that this is home but not home, that we are pilgrims and sojourners just passing along our way, poor wayfaring strangers. You see, if that's the case, then we don't have to worry about whether we're going to be here 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years and what will people think about us and what will they say and will they do business with us and will they do X, Y, and Z? Because that doesn't matter. What matters is faithfulness. And this should allow us the flexibility and ability 
to rise to the challenge that the Lord gives, even if it's difficult. Verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. And you're like, well, wait, didn't you talk about balance already? Yes. And so we are right to question, why does Jesus give the disciples such a locational command in this challenge? Because again, we focus on our space and place rather than seeing where God is leading us and calling us. That he's not leading us in, he's leading us out. That he is sending us out to the nations, not in to the holy huddle enclave. He sends us out. And so this locational challenge forces us to three things. And this is how we're going to close. It forces us to keep perspective. The time is short. There is no time to waste. If they will not heed or hear, i got to move on. There's someone else. I've got to go. The locational challenge forces us to keep persevering because that struggle is real. And I will have no place of refuge until Christ comes again. And so I will persevere knowing Christ is my refuge, my hideaway, my strong tower. The only way that I can keep on keeping on. So I don't have to be rooted to a place. I need to be rooted in Christ and in faithfulness. And that locational challenge forces us to keep proclaiming. The commission is calling. If the town won't hear it, move on. If they persecute you, there will be those who I will prepare to hear. No matter what may come in that place, you need to be faithful to your call and to the command of Christ to go where he calls you. Knowing what? No matter where you go, there's going to be persecution. No matter where you go, there's going to be challenge. And yet, no matter where you go, Christ is with you. No matter where you are found, Christ is coming again for you and for all his people. And so keep proclaiming your hope for that, even in the midst of the struggle and the persecution that will come for the sake of his name. And the last sentence of our text tonight then ramps that up in the most beautiful way. For truly I say to you, so again, at the beginning you got the look, the glasses, here now kids is the ear, okay? Here's the ear of the text that you have to listen. Truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He says this because he's coming, he's coming again, and he's coming soon. Apostles, you will not get through all the cities you could go to and minister to before the return of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus Christ, we will not get through all of them either until he comes again. And so the challenge for us in our participation is to remember the time we're given is a gift for his service. The world is not our home And that we are not to place our work, our relationships, our space and place, our comforts, our family in this life before faithfulness to his command and charge upon us. And if that's where we are found tonight, then the call of this text, the call of Christ, is to repent. 
I'm sorry, Lord, for not persevering in the vocation you have called me to as your disciple. Father, I repent of all the ways I have settled for less when you have called me to more and to know more and to love more and to proclaim more. And in that kind of repentance then, brothers and sisters, let us recommit ourselves to this mission for sheep and grain in the excitement and passion of that call and that charge and that commission, knowing the compassion that Christ has shown us that we would show it and go and show that to others. Recommitting ourselves to his mission for sheep and grain. Now again in the perspective, I know what will come. And yet I will meet that challenge and persevering faithfulness because I am known by a great Savior and I know a great and blessed assurance in him. Let's rise up to that challenge together. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the call and conviction that it brings to us. And so, Father, vocationally and relationally and locationally, Father, there are challenges that we need to work through in terms of, Father, continuing to persevere in faithfulness to your commission upon us. And so, Father, we thank you that in any of those things that you tell us to endure, or to get rid of, or to take up. Your son has done that. And your son has done that perfectly. And he leads us and never leaves us, and he has filled us with his spirit and granted us his word that we would follow after him in truth and in hope. And so, Father, forgive us those times in which we have made the place that we live or the things that we have more important than you or where we've elevated family and relationship with them over faithfulness, or where we've looked at the work of our hands as being less important than the work that you call, or more important than the work you call us to in the gospel. And so, Father, we ask, would you meet us? Would you shape us? Would you change us? Would you forgive us? And would you lead us forward into your commission and even to the challenges that they bring? For, Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name.